We want to look in Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 through 21. But as you're turning there, we want to think for a few moments on, on God's family plan. God's family plan. I, I wonder, I know those of you who are, whose hair is about like mine or maybe a little worse, whether it's thinner or it's grayer, either one. Uh, you, you'll understand this very well. Those of you who are just starting your families and your families are just getting started, I want you to listen to, to the stages of life that you're going to go through. And, and I'm sure there'll be some here to testify to each stage of these. Here we, we want to look at six stages right quick. And, and the first stage is this. Uh, and, and before I share this, I want to say that as you go through these stages, it's going to take perseverance and a good work ethic. Now, if you don't have a good work ethic, good work ethic please don't start a family uh, because it's going to take work in your family. Uh, stage one, it shares that the family begins with the I do's, you know, the happy time. When the bride comes down the aisle and she's beautiful and that man is, he just can't wait to make her his and, and they go off and they begin their life together. But in that, it, it continues after that ceremony. You know, it begins by, the ceremony kicks it off, but really stage one begins by giving up of yourself understanding that you no longer belong to yourself but you're responsible to meet the needs of someone else both wife and husband stage two is that the couple's life becomes dramatically changed at the arrival of the first child now comes more responsibility and more stress you know if you've been there say amen yeah stage three is now your children are, have grown out of their toddler years and they start school and the family becomes apart more often. And life becomes more hectic with school-age children that families will tend to begin to drift apart if they're not very careful in this stage. We agree with that? Those of you who've been by it? Yeah. Stage four becomes the most challenging time. It's now the children reach adolescence and life really changes. Uh, turmoil enters the family unit. Hormones invade the home. Expenses go up for the couples in this stage and there are more activities and more separation of the family individuals. As a matter of fact, here is where uh, more individual choices are made about their peers and, and, and they're pressured more from their peers. The family here begins to help with guidance and direction, allowing the child to be a teen and to become more of an individual. This is a hard time for the family. And this is the time when families can be torn apart if it's not a healthy family. Have some of you been there? Step five <laughs> is the empty nest. This is another difficult passage in the family. It's where the couple finds themselves a couple again with their children gone. Whew. I haven't reached that yet. <laughs> 
Mine's 24 and still haven't reached that yet. I long for that day. I long for that day. <laughs> now, <laughs> mom and dad, they'll look to each other for more companionship. I say that because within our first year, we, we had a child and she's been with us all our marriage. We haven't been just a couple, <laughs> but for a few days. Uh, stage six, then, it come, there comes grandchildren. Well, that's, that's very different. It, those of you who are blessed to receive it, you shout amen. amen. That's just very different. But, but when we look at all these stages, we begin to see a need for healthy families. And the best way to establish a healthy family is to follow God's family plan. You know, God has a plan for families, and he shares in the scriptures his plan for families. As we look here in these verses, in verses 18 through 21, in the book of Colossians, in chapter 3, the Bible says, Wives, submit to your own husbands, as it is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. This is God's holy word. God, as we do come before you, we want to thank you for this day. We thank you for this privilege to be part of this service. And God, we pray that as we... Look through your word today that we would be blessed and we would see your truth and we would understand that your plan is the best plan for families. Others have written books. Others have their own podcasts and others have their own radio shows. But God, your plan is the best plan. So God, help us this day. Help us to see your plan and to see it to be needed in our lives. And we'll praise you for all that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Today we are, we are here for a baby dedication. And we have three families that are going to participate in this dedication today. As a matter of fact, we have several families who are already planning for our next baby dedication. And at that next dedication, uh, I don't know how many we'll have. Five, six, seven maybe. Um, and it's not too far down the road. It's just a few months, and, and we, we just look forward to these kind of moments within the life of our church. I don't know if you understand this, but without babies being born in the church and being raised up in the church, then the church has no future. You know, one day, life's going to end for all of us. And we need someone to continue it going. And we just want to just thank God for the way that he's orchestrated things and the way he's given things and the way he's working in us and through us. But, but the children won't know him if, it's not, if he's not known in the family. You know, it is always a blessing when, when couples, whether they are saved and serving the Lord or whether they are they know about God and they've been raised up in church and they know but they're not serving him you know even when they understand or those who 
who've not been raised in church, but when they receive a child into their life, they, they come to an understanding that this is a gift, a true gift that only a God in glory can give to them. And they want to honor God by dedicating this child back to him. Now, there are some churches that will not allow non-Christians to dedicate their children. Just like that child has something to do with that. Just like that child is beneath other children. Well, I, I, you know, we raised our child as much as we could to know about Jesus. And I guarantee you today, she's no better than anybody else's child. She wasn't when she was born. She isn't now. And she never will be. And we've tried to make that very clear in her life. I got news for you. Your child is no better than anyone else's. It never has been. It isn't right now. And it never will be. You know, I, I just, it breaks my heart to hear when a church would not be willing to dedicate a child with all its innocence and all its beauty and all the glory of God within that child for a church to say, we won't do it. It breaks my heart. I don't know if it breaks yours. Now, I don't want to be known as the preacher that I dedicate any child. I don't want to be known that. I want to be known as a man who loves the Lord. But if I become known that, that's all right with me. I don't know if it's all right with you, but it's all right with me. You know, whether we are a traditional family or non-traditional family, families will experience enough attacks on the union of husband, wife, and family that we, the church, don't need to attack them any at all. Because to survive the attacks, the best weapon is for fathers and mothers and the family itself to make Christ the center of the home. It's not enough for one or the other to be obedient to Christ, but both mother and father and the entire family needs to make Christ center of the family. Because if one, and it doesn't really matter which one, whether it's mother, whether it's father, whether it's children, decides that they're not going to follow Christ and his precepts, you're just giving the enemy ample opportunity to destroy your family. As we look around in today's society, our enemy is doing a very good job at destroying the family unit. So when we look in a passage like this today, what we find is, is God has a plan for the family. And it begins here in these verses at speaking about God's plan for the husbands and wives. As a matter of fact, he kicks it off with ladies first. Uh, and uh, I know you read verse 18 or you saw it or you heard it. And if you did, 
we, we need to really understand what he's wanting to say to us. The Bible shows us how God views marriage and he views it somewhat as a partnership. And in any partnership, each partner must know their focus and the work on their responsibility within the partnership. Both partners can't be the head of every area within the partnership. There are some areas that one partner needs to be the head of, and maybe other areas where another partner needs to be the head of. Well, you, you can't have two heads, because if you have two heads, you have a monster. That's not pleasing to God. So God gives us his instructions for the areas within the partnership of marriage. And the area for the wife, he really shares here that you submit to your own husband. So let's make sure we understand. I know, I know you ladies don't like that word. Uh, I, I, know, I know you don't, you, you, you hear different connotations with that word, but, but it's God's word. And it's the word God chose to use. And the Bible helps us to see here that this doesn't mean that wives, you're obligated to obey your husbands. Husbands, get that out of your mind. That's not what it's about. Instead, wives are to respect and to honor their husbands. I think we often forget that, uh, why it's so important for wives to display this kind of honor and respect for their husbands. I want to tell you this. It has nothing to do with your husband. It has nothing to do with him being a man. It absolutely has nothing to do with a wife being less than a husband. It has nothing to do with educational status or job status or even social status. As a matter of fact, it has nothing to do with race or culture. Instead, it has everything to do with what the scripture says is that it is fitting unto the Lord. That's the only reason why you would do that. Not because he deserves it, but because it's fitting to the Lord. This is what the Lord planned. It's not what I planned. I would have wrote it completely different. I would have put obey in there. You, you men would have put obey in there. You women would have wrote something completely different. But this is God's plan. He set it up from the very beginning. Because in 1 Timothy 2 and 13, he, lets, he reminds us that he formed Adam first and then Eve. In other words, God had a relationship with Adam first. He created Adam and gave him dominion over everything that he created. But God saw that Adam needed a helpmate to complete Adam. And he, then he created Eve. And from there on, when God called Adam, he was calling both Adam and Eve. Listen, God desires order. He desires cooperation, relationship, and partnership between a husband and wife. They're to walk together. They're to walk hand in hand throughout life. However, they must have a leader as we walk in this world filled with trials, in this world filled with temptations and difficulties. And God's order is that the husband take the lead. And the wife, especially a Christian wife, in obedience to her Lord, she gives herself to the leadership of her husband. Now listen, husbands. I want you to be very clear. I want you to really understand this. God has a position for you. And it's not your wife's job. Whether you do it or not, it's not her job to do your job. Wives, I hope you really understand that. Whether your husband fulfills his duty or not, it's not your job to try to take over his duty. 
there's a reason for that. Let me, let me share the reason for that. Because there'll come a time, there may come a time if you're praying and seeking God's face and you're really wanting God to, to really intervene in your husband's life. When he becomes the man that God would have him to be, it'll be awfully hard for you to turn over what is his when you've taken it from him. You may think, no, preacher, it'll be easy. Then, no, it won't. Because there are churches all around with godly men and women in them. And in those churches, you, ha you have some that without a pastor. And what happens is the church turns to that godly man whom they respect and they, and they, they adore and they trust to lead the church until they get a pastor. And when the church does that, it is awfully hard for that deacon or that man that has been set aside to help lead the church to turn things over when they get a pastor. Listen, your job, ladies, wives, is to do what God has called you to do and to do it to the best of your ability. He'll answer for what he fails to do when God's called him to do something. And God will deal with him with that. But husbands, listen. I want you to know your job. God doesn't just have a plan for wives. He has a plan for you, and it is that you love your wives. Throughout the Bible, the Lord says more concerning uh, husbands loving his wife than he does about wife submission. It's, it, it tells me that everything lies upon the husband. Because the Bible helps us to understand that, that the word husband, it means to hold the house together or the one that holds things together. The, the responsibility for a good marriage is put more upon the husband. Ephesians 5 and 25, the Bible says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. You know why it's more important? You know why so much, so much is upon the shoulders of the husband? It's because Christ loved us even when we didn't love him. He died for us when we didn't want nothing to do for him. It didn't matter how we treated him. He still loved us enough to give his life and he's still willing to forgive us. And if he didn't do that, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. And if we as husbands are to love our wives as Christ loved the church, whether they respect us or not, we love them. Whether they honor us or not, we love them. Whether they, whether they demean us or not, we love them. Because that's what God has done for us. Everything breaks down when the husband doesn't love his wife and even more Prove to her that he loves her. Jesus Christ himself not only loves us, but he's demonstrated his love towards us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When a husband, especially one who's a father, doesn't display his love toward his wife, how can his children ever know what a healthy relationship is like? How can a little girl ever know how she is supposed to be treated by her husband? If she never sees her dad love his wife. How can a son ever know how to treat a wife if he's never seen his father love his wife? A husband must display and live out his love for his wife. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we can have everything. We can have all the charisma all the knowledge, all the understanding. We can have all the gifts, but if we don't have love, we have nothing. Yeah. 
Husbands, the greatest gift you can give your wife is your love. Wives, the greatest gift you can give your husband is your honor and respect. God does have a plan. This is God's plan. And I just believe if we follow God's plan, we'll be better for it. But he doesn't just have a plan for husbands and wives. He has a plan for children. Contrary to popular opinion, children have a responsibility to obey their parents. That's the only time we see obey in the family unit, where children obey their parents. Not because they are little people. Not because they, their parents brought them into the world. Not because their parents are taking care of them. And not because of the most often quoted threat in America today. I brought you into this world and I'll take you out. <laughs> Women all over the world, I believe, have used that quote to their children. And we have deserved it from time to time. <laughs> well, these are good reasons for children to obey their parents. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3 tells us why children are to obey their parents. Listen, parents, the scriptures tell us why your children are to obey you. It tells us here that children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. You know, I think we forget that, that it may be well with you because we often say it's the first commandment with promise and, and the promise we hold, we hold to the most is that you may live long on the earth. But the Bible also says that it would be well with you. I don't know, God has fixed us in such a way that even when we have been raised up in a dysfunctional setting, and just in case you don't know this, every one of us have been raised up in a dysfunctional setting. Some settings are a higher degree than others, but we're all dysfunctional. But if you're in, you've been raised up in a highly dysfunctional setting, There's a longing within that child for mama's attention and daddy's love. That, that, that longing is there no matter how they've been treated. And I promise you, if that longing is there, children, if you fail to obey your parents, you'll reach a time in your life when things won't be well with you. You won't have peace. You won't have comfort. You won't have joy, but your life will be in shambles because you'll remember how you should have obeyed your mama and daddy. This isn't how I've got it fixed, but this is how God's got it fixed. But you know, even in this, fathers, we can't provoke our children because whether we want to believe this or not, obedience is not a natural behavior. Instead, obedience is a learned behavior, and usually it's learned in the home. It's when parents obey the word of God and make the word of God their authority, not just in the home, but in every aspect of their lives. 
It's then that children will learn to respect authority. They will respect the authority of the scriptures. They will respect, respect the authority of the parents. They may not agree, but they'll respect it. If they don't respect it at the moment they're receiving or under your authority, they will respect it when they get older. But not only the authority of scripture and the authority of parents, I'm convinced it'll filter down to respect for teachers, respect for administrators, respect for country, respect for employers, and respect for law enforcement. Parents, let's be real. Will we get this right all the time? No. No. Will we struggle from time to time with this? Yes, we will. Will our children want to go their own way? I assure you, the answer is yes. Because I wanted to go my own way. And at some point, everyone in here wanted to go their own way. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 22 and 15, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. It lets us know that they're going to want to have their own way. And there's going to be times they won't listen to us. So we can expect our children to want to go their own way. So it becomes important for us to teach our children God's word. Let's teach them by example. Let us first become followers of God and his word by receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. You know, Jesus left the splendor of heaven and he came to a sin-cursed world following God's plan. And in following God's plan, he lived a sinless life, but he died a sinner's death. He took our place. He who knew no sin became sin that we might be the righteousness of God in him. He died to provide forgiveness for our sin. He arose on the third day to give us hope for eternal life. He left the promise that he will return and receive us to himself. But we must admit that we are sinners and in need of a Savior. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What about you today? Are you ready? Well, we hope you've enjoyed the message today. And if you happen to not have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, we want to invite you to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It's as simple as the ABCs. If you would admit that you are a sinner and that you are in need of a Savior and believe that God sent His very Son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth to be the sacrifice for our sins and that he died for our sins and he arose on the third day and then if you would confess him as your Lord and Savior you can be saved you must believe this with all your heart and you must be willing to serve him if you are all you have to do is talk with Jesus you don't need a preacher you don't need a church to get saved but if you get saved Find yourself a Bible-believing church, and I believe God will richly bless you.